so much for listening to Uplifting Impact. I have a special opportunity for you. For everybody who is a listener, we are going to be hosting a wonderful How to Be an Ally Summit. It is a virtual summit. And for those of you who are our listeners, we know that you're already on your allyship journey. But if you're ready to go deeper, to learn more, to put some more tools into your toolbox, we'd love to have you join us. The summit is going to be hosted February 1st through the 3rd, 2021. So go ahead, get your ticket and make sure that you get a ticket, not just for yourself, but get a ticket for somebody in your family. Get a ticket for the people that are on your team. Let's go ahead and figure out how we can move further, faster, and together. Hello and welcome to Uplifting Impact. It's so great to have you here with us again. And today we are with a person who I just was so excited about meeting with because not only is he awesome, but the company that he has worked with for the last 30 years is also awesome. I don't think anybody listening would disagree with me. Today, what we have is we have Rob Mehalek, who has played many roles at, are you ready for it? Ben and Jerry's during the last 24 years with the company. One of the main focuses of Ben and Jerry's is their social mission. They really look at how can we make sure that our company's product and economic missions of the organization can thrive together. And Rob's current focus is on identifying how Ben and Jerry's can achieve better outcomes from, listen to this, better outcomes from the company's social mission initiatives and how to better measure and report on them. Ben and Jerry's social mission works to create innovative ways that businesses can apply its many resources to achieve positive social, economic, and environmental change in the world and make progress on the company's sustainable corporate concept of linked prosperity. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, thank you, Deanna. It's really great to be here. Yes, I'm so glad to be able to have this conversation with you. For those of you who uh, know me and have followed the work that I've done over the years, you know that I believe very strongly in this concept of social enterprise. And it's hard to talk about social enterprise without talking about Ben and Jerry's and the work that you've done. And so the fact that I'm on the phone with one of the people uh, who has helped lead that mission is just truly an honor. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And, and you know, I always have to say that for us, it's the entire Ben and Jerry's community. It's not just one person, but it's it's what Ben and Jerry gave us as a business model to really have values and purpose drive through the business. And so my role at one point, I guess you would say, is just, you know, a channeler, a facilitator, a coordinator, you know, to guide that so that that we could uh, really achieve the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. You know, and I, I do really um, appreciate that. I appreciate your humbleness. I appreciate the fact that you're lifting up your other team. I really think that because Ben and Jerry's has made that a primary focus, that's probably one of the reasons why people come to work for the company. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we know that because we're a values-driven company and we say, bring your values in, don't leave them at the door, you know, bring them right on in because we want to see um, from all of the people that join us, like how we might approach different ways to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, the company rhetoric is we want to see justice in all its flavors, which is a nice, you know, that's a nice thing to say, but let's bring some meaning to it, some substance to it and actually create programs throughout our entire business, throughout our entire value chain from the 
farmers who are growing the agricultural products that we put in the ice cream, all the way to the, you know, the end user, to, to the people who are actually enjoying the product, and everywhere in between, can we be making business decisions that actually create social and economic and environmental change? You know, that's such a great way to think about the supply chain, because a lot of times we don't do that, right? We use other measures to determine how we are going to do, not just what business we're going to do, but how we're going to do business. So one of the things that I guess I'm curious about, as you think about all of those different places, there must have been times where the economic, you know, reality or the economic gain that you might have had didn't necessarily meet the social gain, right? Or wasn't reflective of what in those moments, could you tell me like what that one, what does that feel like when you're in that moment? You're like, oh, it'd be cheaper, it'd be easier, it'd be faster if we could do it this way, but it doesn't hit our social good. Like, how do you manage through those through those moments? You know, this is a great question. And actually, the tension between the social purpose of the company and the economic purpose of the company and the product mission of the company, that tension is every day. And so the thing you have to welcome is to to embrace that tension and and work with the different stakeholders within the company to find out what a solution might be. So let's take an example. We have values-led programs for dairy, for sugar, cocoa, banana, vanilla, um, and and a lot of it will fall under the uh, program of fair trade. And fair trade ingredients come with a premium. So if you're a company and you're buying agricultural products, you know, your goal is probably to get those products at the highest quality for the lowest price and the most reliably. When you add a program such as fair trade, you're automatically adding some premiums that are involved in that. And so what we do is we try to figure out, okay, well, how can we pay those prices so that those agricultural producers are getting a fair price for their agriculture and that that they have they're open to global markets, uh, which is you know part of what we're trying to do. And then can you create efficiencies in the middle? You know, so you get raw materials and you take those raw materials and then you you add value. You might make an extract or a powder or something, and then it comes up to Vermont and then we put it all together into an ice cream. So all along that value chain you're adding value to those original raw materials. And so what we're trying to do is to equitably share in the prosperity of that. And that's where that phrase linked prosperity comes from. And we also work with the stakeholders to say, can we create some efficiencies here and efficiencies there so that we can keep the prices of the end product in a very reasonable uh, place so that it's not you know way too expensive to buy our products. And you know, Ben & Jerry's products are, more expensive. Um, but there are reasons for it. It's not just the fair trade ingredients or the other programs that we're, we have involved. There's actually, and people, you know, people can try this at home. There is less air and more ice cream in the product. So the way wow. you can, yeah, what you can do, it's just like making whipped cream at home. You okay. can expand the product by just adding air because that's what happens with cream. When you whip it, you're adding okay. air and it comes nice and fluffy and light. Well, the, the, the larger, more ex- inexpensive ice creams really have more air in them and less ice cream. And we have less air and more ice cream. So that's kind of why a pint of Ben & Jerry's is you know, more expensive than maybe a half a gallon of some uh, economy brand. Sure. So just so people understand it, because actually, I think a lot of people 
don't understand. And that's a, that's a kind of a, a little bit of a detail. But then we go forward and we have all these other these other premium programs. But we try to figure out how to have economic efficiencies to be able to have the social outcomes and continue to still have the product, you know, as high quality as we can make it. And I love, you know, that you just talk about that because a lot of times we pit those things against each other, right? That you can't have social progress or social prosperity and economic prosperity. When actually what you have proven again and again and again, and creating delicious products, right? That the product doesn't suffer, that that you have proved it over and over again, that actually if you marry those two things together and you're thoughtful about it all along the, the way, that you create brand loyalty. And I would argue, and so you tell me if I'm wrong, that you create brand loyalty, not only with your customers, but you also create brand loyalty with the people who are your providers, that people who are on that supply chain appreciate that you are working with them and really trying to create those efficiencies. Do you see that happening? We do. We do. And and that's uh, a lot of the kind of purpose-driven business model is to create those engagements with your your stakeholders. So your your supply chain, your your agricultural producers, you know, you want to create a relationship where you know each other, you can create trust. And we try to do that. Now, I don't want to give anybody the impression that, you know, we're we're like always showing up at the cocoa cooperative in Cote d'Ivoire like every day. But we want to create a direct link where we know where the product is coming from and the programs that we work with those cooperatives on in terms of trying to elevate, you know, the, the livelihood so that these cocoa producers are actually having a sustainable, dignified livelihood. We have kind of direct relationship through our stakeholders. We do go visit. We do have people within our um, social mission team that actually have gone, I've gone to cooperatives myself, but I'm not, that's not my primary role. Sure. Um, but there is, a, there, we have a person who is called the values-led sourcing manager. And, and the idea is you're, you're taking the values of human rights and dignity, social and economic justice, and, you know, climate justice, you know, with the, with the climate change, you're taking those values that the company wants to see in our business uh, and you're going into the supply chain and working with procurement and supply chain people to actualize those values in the purchase. And so we do have a direct relationship. And I think that's important because if you do it at arm's length and you don't know where your cocoa is coming from, where your sugar is coming from, then that's when you start to get things happening in the supply chain that you don't want to see happen. And agriculture, unfortunately, around the world is still a place that's exploited. And we don't want to see that in our supply chain. So we want transparency, we want access, we want engagement. And and then you build trust. And then you can build programs where you're seeing the outcomes that you want to see. Yeah. So, you know, on this podcast, what we really focus on is this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I can see it, right? I, I can see how in all of the things that you've talked about already, how those things play out. But I think one of the big ways that people on the outside looking in um, see your diversity, equity, and inclusion work is on the fact that, you know, Ben and Jerry's hasn't been really vocal and very clear on taking stances and coming early and really standing on those values. So I was wondering if you could just talk about what that feels like internally and what that feels mm-hmm. like externally, what's driving those decisions and how does it come back to this idea of linked prosperity? Well, you know, again, this is this is the hard work. It's 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 not easy or seamless, but but what we try to do is to walk the walk first. So we want to make sure that our company culture is 
not only expressing, but living the values that we want to see externally, where we might be talking the talk in some sort of a social campaign. All along our, our growth and our path as a company, we have always looked at different social and economic issues. And, you know, I'll, I'll take one example, early days, early days, uh, as we were growing as a company, at one point, a longtime worker came to human resources director and said, you know, my partner and I have been together for 10 years. We're like an old married couple. And it was a same sex couple. Uh, and this is back in the, in the 1980s. And um, they said, you know, we see the heterosexual couples that are married. They have all these benefits that we don't enjoy, but we're like an old married couple, except we can't get married because society won't allow that. Yeah. And we said, well, you're right. That's not right. So we were one of the first companies to actually create same-sex benefits in our company culture. And then later, when that became a cultural issue, where you know it started to get into legislative you know, bodies of the legislature and so forth, we wanted to take a public stand on you know, a value that we had and what we thought were human rights, you know, civil rights. And so we took that stand. Now, that's not necessarily a popular stand with everybody. Some people don't share those values. Sure. And, and so um, we had people who came to us and said, you know, we don't share those values and we're never buying your ice cream again. And we, and, and we wanted to be respectful and say, you know, we're sorry that, you know, that's going to be the result of things. But we also want you to honor what, what you believe. And, but we're still going to maintain our values and we're still going to stand for this. We want to be able to stand for something and not be shy about it. Now, here's what happens with that, though. For every one person that says, we're never going to buy your product again, we usually get about 10 people who say, good going. It's about time somebody spoke up for human rights and civil rights. And, and we see just what you were mentioning. We see that loyalty. We we did some internal research, you know, it's kind of proprietary internal research. But um, what it told us was that people who understand that we are committed to these values and that we take actions are two and a half times more loyal to us than to other, you know, ice cream brands. And so that's that's important. I think anybody in business would know that it it takes much more money to get a new customer than it does to hold the customers you already have. And Ben always said, you know, what we want to do is we want to stand for our values and the people who share those values will find us and support us. And and again, we don't denigrate anybody who doesn't share the values. It's just, you know, uh, we're going to agree to disagree. Right. So that's really interesting because you talked about the internal impact, right? That people come to the company at the beginning of the call, people come to your company and work for your company, I would assume, seek you out um, because they know these things about you. And then it also has an impact externally because you create this this brand loyalty. When you think about you know, where those challenges happen and when, and when you might have somebody internally or, or externally that gives you that pushback. Is it because you've been doing it for so long that you all are like, no, we're good. We're okay. Because, you know, I talked to other companies who are like, yeah, we have these values. And then there's a little push and then there's a little bit harder push and a little bit harder. And then they're like, well, 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 or they get a little bit nervous, but it seems like you all are unwavering. So what does he, what do you take, I guess, to get to that place where you have that, that confidence? Well, we have a, a company culture that's never satisfied in what we did today because we know it's not a good, uh, good enough for tomorrow. You know? okay. So what are we going to do about that? But, but our, our pushback on the different positions that we take and the different programs that we have not only comes from the inside, 
It comes from the outside. It comes from everywhere. And I, I, I want to share with you that we actually have an independent board of directors. They have authority over our social mission or our social purpose. And if we're ever off of that social mission or purpose, they can pull us back on. And, and that board of directors is made up of high-level people in, in the human rights movements, civil rights movements, you know, environmental rights movements, you know. So these these are, you know, normally not people you would see on a company board of directors. These are activists. <laughs> and so they hold, I know they hold us to high standards. And so there's this, there's this attitude of continual improvement. And and let me just talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion because you know this is an yeah. important subject for you. Back in about 2014, we actually asked ourselves, are we the social justice company we think we are? You know, the headquarters is in Vermont. Vermont is a very white state. We looked around headquarters and we realized, you know, there's a lot of very white people here. Now, we had gender equity. There was a good mix of women and men in positions of, you know, leadership and management and staff. So a nice balance there, but not very diverse when it comes to, you know, um, black, indigenous and people of color. And so we said, what do we got to do about that? So this is 2014. So we said, let's let's invite leaders in human rights, civil rights, economic rights. Let's invite them to Vermont and have a town hall and just listen to them to find out what we don't even know to ask ourselves. And that that occurred in 2015. Okay. Out of that came a whole bunch of recommendations about what we needed to do. And that started a plan. So the story is, you know, it took us centuries to get to the situation we're in now. And actually, we could say millennia when we really look at history. Right. And so we're not going to change a culture in a one-day workshop. It's going to take an intentional, methodical, persistent, you know, journey. And so we, Ben and Jerry's has been on that. And where we are today as we speak is um, we, we've worked with a, a couple of organizations, and I know they'd be happy for me to share that, but we worked with one organization by the name of Race Forward, who's done some great work with municipalities and NGOs and now for-profit uh, organizations to help us understand, you know, what is our culture? What is it actually doing today? And where does it need to get to to be a diverse, equitable, and inclusive culture? And, and here's you know, some recommended ways you can get there. And then we've been working with another organization that came to us uh, via Race Forward called Equity and Results. And Equity and Results uses this model called results-based accountability. So it's like you're not just you're not just talking about it, you're working on it. And, sure. and where we are is we've done a lot of work internally with a lot of employees, you know, cross department teams, you know, working throughout the organization okay. on root cause analysis. Why is Ben and Jerry's not as diverse and equitable as, you know, we want to be? Uh, sure. And then strategies after the root cause analysis and then bringing the strategies forward to the leadership team and the board of directors. And so where we're at is we've gone through that process and then we're, we're moving into implementation so that we have, you know, different recruitment policies, different orientation and inclusion policies, yeah. you know, different ways to behave, uh, you know, ownership in our franchise community, where we put scoop shops, you know, really kind of comprehensively go through the entire business. But it's a it's an interminable process. It never yeah. ends. And yeah. you can never be satisfied. And that's that's the company attitude. It's like, you know, let's let's do the best we can today. And then tomorrow, let's raise the bar. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. So I hope everybody listening here today is uh, feeling encouraged and challenged to think about what's the best we could do today and how can we raise the bar? I think that's a, a good way for us to think about how we're entering into the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I just so appreciate the fact that you're willing to share what your process has been and you know partners have been and where, where it's been challenging, right? That even Ben & Jerry's, this amazing company, right? That you recognize that there are opportunities for you to do more and that there's opportunities in their spaces where you you have it's going to be challenging it's going to be difficult it's not going to be you know super duper easy but that you're still going to stay the course that's awesome well thank you and okay. and i think it's i think it's important for people to know that you really do have to start with the first step don't don't overburden yourself with coming up with the perfect you know the whole <laughs> idea of you know just do some good okay. and just keep moving you know yeah. if you know you got to head west just start heading west you might end up in san francisco you might end up in los angeles but right. just- just get going. That's right. Take that first step. Well, thank you so much for for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Rob, if people want to stay connected to the great work that Ben and Jerry's is doing, if they want to stay connected to you, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can just start with uh, our website, benjerry.com, B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. And once you're there, there are all sorts of, you know, there's Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all the all the ways you can get to, uh, connected in social media and stuff. And, and you can start funneling your way through there. And you'll see a lot of uh, what we're doing right now and what we're, you know, some of the campaigns we've got going. Absolutely. And what about you? Can they connect with you on LinkedIn? Yes, you can okay. find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there and I'd be happy to link in. (laughs) Fantastic. So we'll make sure all that information is in the show notes. Thank you so much for all that you're doing, that you continue to do for really helping to lead the charge with a wonderful team at Ben and Jerry's. Thanks for the wonderful, delicious, amazing ice cream. Made me really popular today when I told my kids I was talking to somebody from Ben and Jerry's. Thank you for that. (laughs) And thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you, Deanna. It's a real pleasure. Thanks. Absolutely. And everybody listening, we just hope that you will continue uh, to to tune in and listen to what we're here to talk about, which is how do we take these ideas of diversity, equity, and inclusion and really infuse them in our leadership strategies. Today, we focused a lot on how to do that from a business strategy and in places that people don't normally think about, even, even as we think about our supply chain. And so I hope that you're thinking about all the different places and different ways that you might be able to take these principles and take these ideas and put them into action because we here at Uplifting Impact believe that the more people we have doing this work, the more people who are creative and innovative and thinking about the different ways to bring these ideas to life, the more wonderful things we can create in the world. So thank you for being here. Share with your friends and family. We can't wait to see you, hear you, uh, hear back from you on another episode. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.